Let's go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 5. That is our goal this morning. And um, as we've been working through the book of Proverbs, one of the things that continually is reminded to us is that the one that is uh, writing this is attempting to warn his son, the next generation, of some of the pitfalls of life. Uh, The pitfalls of life are things that the Word of God continually reminds us us to that in wisdom avoid. Now, uh, one of the things that you will find always lacking from the book of Proverbs is the desire to fix the world so that none of the potholes exist. Uh, The potholes will always exist. The problems will always be there. There will always be the temptation to trust in the world. There will always be the temptation to um, take up uh, camaraderie with those who have blood in their eyes, uh, looking to uh, either murder or to steal or to... Uh, as we're going to see this morning, commit adultery with. Um, as this father is warning his son to avoid certain potholes in the world, um, one of the most specific ones that he is warning his son here is to the avoidance of the adulterous woman. And that is what Proverbs 5 is all about. So let's go ahead and delve into this, and we'll see if we can cover, <clears throat> it's not terribly long, these 23 verses. Proverbs chapter 5, starting in verse 1. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. And incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion, and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end she is, bitter, she is as bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword, and her feet go down to death, and her steps follow down the path to Sheol, the grave. She does not ponder the path of life, her ways wander, and she does not even know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan, when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, How I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. And here's his continued advice. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe, Let her breast fill you at all times with delight and be intoxicated always by her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Now, The one writing the Proverbs is not mincing words here. He is not being coy. He is not hiding behind things. He's telling it straight up as he is to his son. Avoid the path that leads to death. And the paths to death are myriad. There are so many of them that he again throughout the book of Proverbs will warn this one, this one, this one, this one. How do you know which path you're walking down? And here he says, with regards to the adulterous woman, He says, while it may promise to be kind and fruitful and everything, what does it prove to be? Bitterness and destruction and the end of that path is death. You say, well, what if she looks pretty? What if she speaks smooth words? What if if 
I feel better when I'm with her than with my own wife. And he says, look, she is wandering around and doesn't even know which direction she's going. She doesn't even know that she's heading towards the grave. And you are following her. Like a happy sheep bouncing along the way to the slaughter, you're not even perceiving what road you're on. And so he's saying, with regards to these things, our, our protection of our own life, even with regards to adultery, but in all ways of wisdom, this is why he says, the first place that it starts going wrong is when you stop listening to that wise voice that tells you to choose the difficult road rather than the easy one. The difficult road is to avoid instantaneous pleasures that promise the world and deliver nothing. Same goes for uh, all manner of get rich quick, get happy quick uh, situations. All of them promise something that they do not have the ability to deliver. And so what he says here is the first place that that breaks down is with regards to listening to wisdom. And that's why he says, and he starts off that way, he says, My son, be attentive to my wisdom and incline your ear to my understanding. And you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. And then he turns the whole thing on its head. And he says, the alternative is that you pay attention to the lips of the adulterous woman. A woman who is attempting to, well, put it in no uncertain terms, bring you to her bed. He says, instead, pay attention to what I'm saying. Don't pay attention to her lips. For the lips of a forbidden woman, they do drip honey, don't they? Her speech can be smoother than oil. There, there is something alluring about the very existence of, especially for men here, women. But the warning goes out to women too. This is not just a, only sons are faced with this. The warning is, daughter, don't be this type of woman that seduces somebody else's man. In all of these situations, the problem is ruin. The lips of the forbidden woman, the lips of the... Um, it translates forbidden, strange, different woman, drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, that, that sweet honey is bitter. And in the end, that smooth oil is just a sharp knife. You can't even feel it when it cuts you. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to the grave. She does not even ponder the path of life. She's not asking herself if she is on the way of wisdom. Right? And to ally yourself with someone who doesn't even analyze in any way of their own life, what is the outcome going to be? You will both just find yourself wandering around. Jesus spoke to this exact thing, where it is a blind leading the blind. They're both going to fall into the pit. The pit being death, the grave, exactly as it says here. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she doesn't even know it. And if you start following her and pursuing her, you will do the exact same thing. Because that's what happens. Right? You don't put spoiled apples into a basket with good apples and expect that it's going to magically become a good apple. It doesn't work like that. Evil is what is infectious. That's what spreads. This is why when we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it was not good that reigned in our hearts. It was evil because it is infectious and insidious and we're not strong enough. This is why we pursue the way of wisdom. And why wisdom cannot begin at the fear of doing wrong things, the wisdom begins at the fear of the Lord, because the power either comes from him, or faltering and failing will be all that we ever see. Verse 7, Now, O sons, listen to me. 
Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Now, I can't tell you how many times uh, I've run across men who think that they can fix the adulterous woman. We'll make an honest woman out of her somehow, right? Because, I mean, yeah, right. But the, but the entire purpose there is, is a desire to pursue her. That's the actual desire. And then maybe we can save her. Maybe we can be chivalrous. What do we learn from wisdom here in Proverbs chapter 5? That's not the goal. Not at all. You are the exact wrong person to be trying to fix her or save her. It will not work. What will happen is you will lose your own soul. And so the advice given to him is not go up and try to, you know, correct her, try to help her, just don't sleep with her. No, what does he say? Get away. Far from her. Do not even go near the door of her house. Right? This is the attitude of evil. Do not flirt with it. Do not play with fire. They're the people who get burned. Don't mess with this. This is is one of the great um, things that I've often seen um, when I know a guy who falls into adultery. Um, It never really surprises me because it's usually a guy that I have seen be okay with flirting with the idea or going near that door. If you're okay with this, tomorrow you'll be okay with that. And the next day you'll be okay with this. It is not a, you wake up one morning and, you know what? I'm going to ruin my life today. That's not typically how it works. How it typically works is a gradual moving closer to her door all the time. Closer, closer, try this, try that, try that, and then it all comes down. But isn't that because he feels he's failing? You mean you say, you know, you're now looking for something because you think for some reason you don't have the right right one. You're living with a woman, and now, like you say, it takes a period of time. Yeah. Okay. But it's more that the, I think the man feels like he is failing, and he looks for an anchor. Yep. And it's a bad anchor. Correct. It's a bad anchor. Because, uh, and and there, there's always a desire to find stability. And that's the thing. is It's promise is stability, but it ends up setting you adrift. And that, that's kind of the problem. I think, especially in our society, we define marriage on the basis of uh, attraction and romantic love rather than promise, which is what it's designed for. It's designed for promise because there's going to be some days that you don't like each other very much. You know, anyone who's been married for any amount of time knows that. There's going to be some years where that may actually happen. And it takes an unbelievable amount of work in order to earn a good relationship with one another. Let's keep going. Why do we keep our feet far from this? Why, why is it that we don't even flirt with the possibility. Why don't we even uh, approach the door of her house? Why? Because otherwise your honor will go to other people. It will be stolen from you. Your years will go to the merciless. And strangers will take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you said, uh, reflecting upon your life, how I hated discipline. And my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. In other words, reputation. There is something that is deep within the heart of us 
that wants to influence people for the good. And what he is saying is, all this will do will destroy your life to the point that it is just your reputation. And that is the influence you've had. Now, at all points, repentance is the goal. Turn away from this. Repent, confess, turn back to the Lord. But to go and pursue this, nobody's going to be looking at your life and going, you know what I want to do is I want to emulate somebody who just committed adultery with everyone around them. Nobody's going to be looking at that and going, boy, that just that looks like the bestest of all lives. Even if somebody is insanely wealthy and still has that lifestyle, only the very foolish and very young will try to emulate that. Anyone with any sense about them will look at it and go, that's just a worthless life. Why would I do this? And so he extends the metaphor further in verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. In other words, take care of your wife. Live with your wife. I remember um, having a particularly rough year in our marriage. I've been married now 18 years uh, this summer. And I remember the, the overwhelming sense of responsibility that was mine for the fact that a, the way that a marriage works out or doesn't work out largely is me being held accountable for that. It is my responsibility to ensure that my marriage is healthy. And I remember it not being healthy. And that being a real frustrating thing to me because I knew that it was my responsibility to take care of that. It doesn't mean that I was wrong all the time. It means that if there is discord to that level in the house, I'm held accountable for this family. I need to find some way to deal with it. Find some way to make it work. Here, the easy thing is to throw in the towel. But what, do we, what have we learned, Vic, all the way through the book of Proverbs? Yeah, I'm sorry, you're going to have to be a fill-in because everyone else who comes to class is either homesick or out of town today. What have we learned about the easy path? Leads to death. Leads to death. Every time. The way of death is something that is very easy to get on and enormously difficult to get off of. So what does he say here? Stay in the way of life. There may be days where it is hard that you focus only on one woman. Good, that's exactly the path you should be following then. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? In other words, what, why are you going to go out and seek satiation everywhere else? What is that going to do for you? Trouble and nothing else. And what comes at the end of trouble? Death. And what becomes after death? Reputation. And what will it be? The, it kind of indicates to you one thing. Everybody, oh, I don't say everybody, but people who do have adulterous affairs think they do it in secret. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that know what's going on. Absolutely. So that's where they're talking about you lose your honesty. Yep, you do. And they, and they, uh, they may not tell you when you're alive, but when you're gone, they may speak ill of you. So yep. That's, I knew some. I knew. I knew a guy who was. Very, very active in his church. Uh, this is somebody I knew personally. Um, who always put on a great big front on everything like this. Um, and after he passed away, it came out that he had had a multiple years long affair. Um, this is somebody I know personally. That, and it, 
it utterly wiped away anything and any advice he ever gave me. Uh, not because you sin once is wrong. No, because you lived a double-edged life. I don't want to do that. Right? I don't follow the advice of people whose lives they've made a wreck out of. I don't want to make a wreck out of my life. And so that's exactly what he's saying here. Even when it comes, people don't know. People will know. These things come out. I mean, I've been in ministry for over a de- or decade and a half now. I've never seen anyone get away with anything. Ever. Not once. When they think they do, it erodes their soul. We were talking about that on Wednesday night, weren't we? Right? Oh, here's a lie that can, that can bolster a church in a specific area or whatnot. And they got away with it for a while. And then they didn't. And it caused the demise of many relationships. Yes, sir? You guys are making Right. Leaving a bad legacy as far as when black people know this stuff. Uh, if he had children, you know what I mean? He's going to threat them just like this. Yeah. Trust me, if you guys knew, if you someday I tell your testimony, you wouldn't want to be around me. No. I did some horrendous things. What, what you're sharing now is being lured. But you can't be lured unless you yourself are prone to it. Are open to it, right? Yeah. This is why he's saying to his son, he's like, Son, I'm not waiting for you to learn whether or not you're prone to it. Just avoid it altogether. Don't answer the question. If, if I am tempted to this or that, you're a man. You're going to be tempted to it. Avoid it. End of story. It doesn't matter how much I'd be tempted to it. Why, why tempt the beast? Why poke the bear? Why throw rocks at the hornet's nest? If you don't want to get eaten by a bear, if you don't want to get stung, if you do not want to commit adultery with this woman, stay away from her door. Stay away from the hornet's nest. Stay away from the bear. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's what he's saying. It's just wisdom. At the moment, it seems like the hard decision, but long term, what actually is the hard path? The hard path is going down the road of adultery. That one brings misery to the soul. That one brings misery to relationships, distrust, discord, and lies. So while it promises an easy path much like the lottery, or much like playing with fire, this is going to be fun, it actually proves to be the more difficult path, because if you turn the clock forward far enough, it really, really sucks to try to sleep when your hand is burned. Any of you ever burn your hand in the fires? Like when a campfire or something like this? Yeah, ouch. That'll wake you up at night, doesn't it? Yeah. Same thing with this. You will not get away with trying to do what is easiest because, and we live at a time where everyone is trying to tell everyone else that doesn't matter what desire you have, it's good, lean into it, and it's fine. No. The easiest desires are often the worst ones to lean into. You desire to get wealth. You will be carried away with the deceitfulness of riches. You desire sexual satisfaction at all accounts. You will not find it, ever. Because those who just pursue it as its own end will never find it, ever. This is why he says instead, do what is hard today, and life will actually tend towards the easy. Drink water from your own cistern. Pay attention to your own wife. Divert all of that attention to her. Let... um, 
uh, all these streams of water, everything like that. Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. There he pulls it out of the metaphor. Uh, adds a few more. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. He said, there's nothing wrong with your wife, is there? Right? Not... It doesn't mean that there's not disagreements. It doesn't mean that there's not hardships. There certainly are. Absolutely. Anyone who says otherwise has never been married. But what he is saying here is taking that difficult time, which is usually when adultery happens, is when you're having a rough patch in your marriage, taking the opportunity that presents itself in the middle of a disagreement at home or a difficult year at home is the exact worst thing you could possibly do because while it promises to be fine and good and wonderful, it ends up making everything hell. He says, let all of your attention, let all of your focus, all of your desire be devoted and directed towards your wife. Let her breast fill you at all time with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. It is, it, there is a depth there that goes beyond just something that's mere physical attraction. Because it is, it is backed up by promise, it is backed up by covenant, it is backed up by life. And it is backed up by the design of God. And so he asks him, he says, what, what does the other path actually give you? He says in verse 20, why, why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman? In the embrace of the bosom of an adulteress. A man's ways are always before the Lord. The eyes of the Lord sees them. He ponders all his paths. And the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline. And because of his great foolishness, he is led astray. And that is a remarkable way to finish off something like this, because it's applicable to every area of evil. Every area. We think that we're stronger than it. I will allow it to go this far and no further. No, you won't. You don't have the ability to hold it back. We do not have the ability to control it. This is why I say nobody ever gets away with anything because if you're okay with this, you're going to be okay with this step and then that step and then that step and then that step. Just turn the clock forward. I, I love the way John Owens put it. He was a, he was a Puritan minister uh, in the 17th century. Um, and he put it this way. I actually have his book in the resource library uh, on the mortification of sin in the life of a believer. He says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. That's the way he puts it. Because if you are not looking to end it, it's looking to end you. And if you don't think you're in a battle, you've already lost. It's not something that you can just look at and give a wink to or a nod and say, look, I, I put a fence around it. It's really good. No. We learn that in the first chapters of the scriptures. Right? We open it up. What do we see? The tree of life, which is actually the way of life it, it's difficult because you have to avoid this other tree over here. But that's the least amount of difficult that there is. There's all the other fruits and trees in the garden, the nuts, the berries, everything you can eat. Just stay away from that one tree. What's that tree? It's something that belonged to God alone, an attribute of God. It is the knowledge of good and evil. We were created to know good. We were not created to know evil because evil is far too powerful for us. And so what did we do? We took from that tree, we ate it, and what does it say? Our eyes were opened, and we were able to see good and evil. And what happened? Look, look at the history of humanity. Which one took over, good or evil? Evil. Because evil is a force we cannot control. But we are promised by evil that 
just go this far and no further and it'll just be fine. We go just a little bit into evil and then maybe we can maintain control. And what he's saying here at the end, Proverbs 5 by the way, what he's saying at the end of Proverbs 5 is, if you go a little bit into evil and excuse it, you'll go a little bit further next time and next time. And what we see all the time with these messages on wisdom, just turn the clock forward. What is the trajectory of that life? It ends at the door of the adulterous woman or it ends at extortion, or it ends at embezzlement, or it ends at murder, or it ends at all these other ways that lead to death. And what does he say in verse 22? The wicked one thinks he's in charge of all this, but what is really in charge? His own iniquities. The iniquities of the wicked actually ensnare him. And he is held fast in the cords of his own sin. Now it's a pickle. How are you going to get out of that? Are you able to? No. This is why the father is giving this advice to his son, saying, it it is not a matter of going in and trying to fix the adulterous woman. Oh, I'm here to do ministry. No, you're not. Anytime I see a pastor starting to flirt with his ability, well, here's this loose woman, I'm going to help her out. No, you're not. You're going to kill yourself. That's what's going to happen. You best bring along multiple people to help if you're going to help anything at all. If you truly want to help a situation, do that. I don't even care if it starts out innocent. Because what does he say here? It always starts innocent. And that, that's, that's what he's really paying attention to. It always starts out with what? I'm not in her house. I'm just hanging by her door. Yeah. That's because if you go straight into her house, that's how, you know, you get arrested for trespassing. But flirting with the, with the edges, flirting with this, you go this far, and then it sits in the mind a little bit more. Maybe I can get a little bit more next time. We've all been there. We know exactly what we're doing. And we try to explain it away. That's why we explain it away, because we know darn well where that goes. And what he is saying is, this is not a matter of go and fix her or anything kind of this and that. No, what does he say? Get away from her. If she is keen on sleeping with you and she is not your wife, get away from her. There is nothing you can do that will improve this circumstance. There's nothing you can do to fix her. There's nothing you can do to save her. I don't care how chivalrous you think you're being. She will engulf you. Why? Because honey is sweet. Because sex is fun. Because that kind of speech is smoother than oil, and oil is nice. Everything about it seems okay. What does he say in verse 4? Just call back to the beginning. Turn the clock forward. In the end, that sweet speech is bitter. That smooth oil is just a very sharp knife slicing through you. And this will bind you up. And evil and iniquity like this is much stronger than you. I say this um, often enough uh, to make it kind of one of my things. Sin and evil, iniquity, is the second most powerful force in the universe and you are not number one. God is. We are way down the list. Evil is enormously powerful. We do not have the ability to hold it at bay. 
by just making up our mind that I'm going to be nice to this woman who wants to sleep with me. We're just out for coffee. What's the harm in that? It's totally innocent. No, it's not because you're arguing that and you know where it goes. Step away. Keep the distance. Why? Because your iniquities are going to pull you down to hell. This is exactly what he says. We all know it. We all know it. If we live with enough time, we've seen it happen. We've seen it, the temptations in our own lives. We've seen opportunities or lack of opportunities or presence of desire, but lack of opportunity. And I hope not presence of a desire and opportunity and openness all at the same time, because that's where problems really happen. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, verse 22, and he is held fast in the cords of his own sin and he will die. Why will he die? Because of a lack of discipline. You say, wow, so the way to fix sin is just to really make up your mind to do good stuff. No, no, no. Remember, wisdom begins at the fear of the Lord, and that is the gospel. This is practical advice along the way. If somebody is going off into the world and they're just making a ruin in their life, you're not going to look at them and go, you know what, I really want to emulate their life. You know, all the ruin and destruction and chaos that they bring into their life, all of the, the uproarious insanity, I want to go emulate that. Nobody looks at that and goes, nobody starts off their life and goes, you know what I want? I want to be a fool. I really just want to live a foolish life that wastes all my money gambling or that wastes all my, my, um, my sexual aggression on strange women or whatever the case may be. That stuff will drag you down to death. And what does he say? Your entire reputation becomes a warning. Nobody starts off aiming at that. And that's why he's saying to his son, stay, stay far away from this stuff. It's much stronger than you. Just the same, fire. Don't play with it. Is fire fun to play with? Yeah, a little bit. I burned my hand before. But what happens if you start playing with it in one place and say you're like six years old? You're just stupid enough at that age to go, well, I played with it outside. It didn't spread anywhere. I'm going to play with it on the kitchen table. I mean, to the six-year-old, that's not much different. It's just more comfortable. There's no wind, so hey, why not? And they can't really anticipate the danger of that. But it feels fun. It's kind of interesting. Same with anything. If it is something that can easily bind you up, stay away from it. This, this advice comes down into the church. There's different things for different folk. There's different foods that some people can't eat in good conscience. Stay away from them. It's okay. Because to violate conscience is neither right nor good, ever. It's not even safe. What will this guy who listens to the adulterous woman's beck and call, what will his end be? Death. No discipline. Right? She's got the flattering eyes. She's got the flattering mouth, speaking whispers of this and sweet nothings. He dies because of lack of discipline. It takes a great deal of discipline to keep one's path away from such things. And because of his great foolishness, he is led astray. Notice, notice what his intention may well have been. I can go fix her. I can go help her. You will be the one leading you think you'll be the one leading, but in that, indeed you will be the one following. That's the effect of... Yes, sir? What's that? That was false intention. 
Right. 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 It's lies. <coughs> Correct. And he knew, the, he knew the danger of it. Because as we just learned, it says, you're already married. He says, my son, stay away from the adulterous woman. Let, let your wife's breasts make you happy. Let, let her words be uh, satisfying to you. Don't, you know, drink from your own well. Don't go out and scatter your wa water everywhere. That's not how it works. Yes, sir. Yeah. Correct. Because, like I said, I got a terribly checkered past, and, and all you're saying, all the scripture's saying, yeah. is reverberating in my mind. You know, I don't know, lately I've been reflecting on my past. Yeah. And I don't know if it's that scripture when Paul said to examine yourself, see that the mistake was going that way, but I did cause a lot of destruction. Yeah. Um, you so, learned what's called the hard way. Yeah, two divorces. You know what the scriptures right. say, do not deceive whatever you sow, that shall you reap. Right. You know, my, my son, the adult son, my daughter, uh, I don't blame it. They don't want to have nothing to do with me. Right. And it's hard because back when they were younger, I was sticking to Bible stories, videos. I didn't live it. They, they saw hypocrisy. Yeah, whatever you sow, that shall you reap. It's painful now, but I understand. It's almost like... I, I heard somebody say this, I agree with this. They said, well, no, God is not saving verbally, but you had me for a little time. Now, now give it to me. And that's what I've done. I stopped trying to reach out. But I'll tell you, I wasn't perfect, but financially, I was there for them in a lot of different ways. And it's like, all I'm good for, and I had to put a stop to this, being a bank. Yeah. And, and, and I see my, see my old life and my son's life. Yep. You know, hot. Right. I graduated to other Right. And it's not the, the only thing that's the greatest thing I can do is to pray for them. Uh, yeah. Because, again, like the wisdom there is, stay away. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the expressions here are the um, expressions from a father to a son, how the world will work. The world just works this way. And you learn exactly what he's saying. The world works this way. Uh, these things promise satisfaction and happiness. They never deliver on it. Um, and salvation may indeed come after the fact. Um, and what he is saying here is there is such a danger with some of this stuff that the idea that somebody gets wrapped up into all that and never hits rock bottom is actually quite possible. And they just, you say, sorry, weed and graduated to other things. I, I have sat in rehab with people that could never find rock bottom, ever. And they wouldn't for anything else. And this is, why, uh, this is why we preach constantly what Christ taught, which is repentance, a turning away from all of this stuff, full confession of what it was, sin and evil and death, and I want nothing to do with it. I want Christ instead. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, up is all manner of things, including false religions and everything else. So we want to make sure that what we look up to is the gospel of Christ. And that, that's why even in rehab, we, you know, I, I don't even support the, well, just admit there's a higher power. No, it's either the gospel or it's nothing. Hmm? Yeah. And like you said, 
I rem I stopped going to movies many, many years ago. I, I, I mean, gosh, in the 90s, I think so. Mm -hmm. Because I had this, this one little thing, I think I had to speak, right? Mm -hmm. I thought I was a traitor. You know what you're saying? The higher power? Mm -hmm. My father, both steps. Right, 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 right. Anyway. Well, and, and that's kind of the thing. And what, what you will typically get out of addictions or drugs, or even, I mean, I've known people go to sexual rehab because of their addictions to those things. Um, and what, what you have to be aiming at, if there's going to be any life coming out of it, it has to be the gospel. And if it's not that, then whatever solution that helps you is what you're going to serve. And anything that is not the gospel of Christ is not worthy of that. Um, and, and that's why even in the modernist era, we do things like AA. It's just, we need to admit there's a higher power. We want to take some of the benefits of Christianity, but we don't want to actually name him. Uh, you can't do that. that. That's just going to inoculate, uh, inoculate people to, you know, who is truly life. Because Christ did not claim to be one of the ways in which life comes. He claimed to be the life. In fact, we're talking about that this morning. He did not claim to be one of the many ways that life can come. He claimed to be the way. That is it. Uh, not just one of the truths, but truth itself. And so when it comes to the scriptures here, obviously all of this necessitates an understanding that we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and leave not on our own understanding. This is what he said in chapter 3. We, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why? Because true wisdom and truly living in this world with wisdom, is, it is necessary that we trust the Lord first because wisdom only comes from him. In fact, the Gospel of John will refer to Christ as wisdom incarnate by calling him the Logos. So it is not just that we look to Jesus for our example, which is actually quite difficult. He was never married. He didn't rear children. So that kind of analogy wears away. But we look to him as the source of all wisdom because he is himself wisdom. And so the attitude, the habit, the direction of his life, the focus of everything that he did, what the Father tells me I will do, that becomes our attitude. Right? We're going to cover one of these this morning in this morning service. And I'll give you a little, for instance, because it's one of those passages uh, where it talks about, you know, whatever you ask in my name, I'll give it to you. And people go, oh, well, it's like an incantation in your prayers, right? You say in Jesus' name, and I will get a Ferrari. No. What he is saying is, if you are truly following me, you will have what I desire actually in your heart, and that will resonate. And when you desire the things that I desire for you, now you're ready for them, you will absolutely get them. Because the one following the Lord is not asking the Lord for big piles of gold bars. You're not truly following the Lord. You're asking for Ferraris and big piles of gold, right? <laughs> you know, I, I knew somebody um, that came to me for advice. and They were not looking for advice at all. They were looking for an excuse. Um, they wanted to divorce their wife and marry this other person. God told me it's okay. I said, no, he didn't. No, he did. He gave me a dream. I said, your dream's meaningless. I said, again, let me quote. Uh, a pastor that is much wiser than I. If your dreams agree with the scriptures, they're unnecessary. And if they disagree with the scriptures, they are wrong. Either way, they're meaningless. And this guy was dead set on this. He wanted somebody to back him up. I said, I will never back you up on that. Absolutely not. Uh, what you are doing is folly, and you're going to learn it in the long run. But if you're not going to learn it now, my words ain't going to help you because I'm not going to encourage that. 
he ended up divorcing his wife and no they weren't looking to get married well she wasn't that way of life that pursuit of evil thinking that you can just partake in it and then hold it at bay dig it and then hold it at bay is like taking a bite from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and thinking it will not cause all of our woe you cannot flirt with evil you cannot throw rocks at a hornet's nest this is why i love the book of proverbs it'll just it'll use examples in the you, know, you cannot trust water from another cistern that you have not verified is good. You, you, you do not poke the bear, do not play with fire. I mean, all of these things. Don't walk out on thin ice. You know, Just the normal things about life show up in our morality as well. And he's making a clear point to this, that <clears throat> this will actually show the weakness of you. Everyone weak. Think about this. The father is speaking to his son. He's giving him his advice. Don't even go to her house. He's not saying that because he's scared of um, what will happen to his son. He's scared of what will happen to any of us, including himself. The father is not going to that house. He is avoiding her door. All of us should. And if he was giving advice to his daughter rather than in this setup, he would be like, don't have that kind of door. Don't be the adulterous woman. Do not make eyes at somebody like this and in seeking to entice them out of their marriage into your house. You, you, um, it almost sounds a little bit like the father had a struggle with this himself. Very possible. You know what I mean? How he's given such instruction, deep, detailed instruction yep. on something like this. Well, I mean, haven't we all known the temptation for this at the very minimum, known the temptation for it. I remember an opportunity presented itself. It terrified the crap out of me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bear any bones about that whatsoever. That that it was scary. And the thing was is I had no idea what was going on in her head. I know what was going on in mine. You know what was going on in mine. And I ran from that as fast as humanly possible. I've never looked back to that because that kind of thing, when it presents itself, you're either going to be destroyed or you are going to run. Thankfully, I chose run at that point. Right. Exactly. We were just talking about that before you came in because he, it, the, the understanding is you think your way is hidden because you go into her house and you close the door. Your way is not hidden. Not hidden at all. This is why he had just warned that to, to go that path in an unrepentant, unconfessed state, all it will do is will lead to our lives becoming a reputation of warning. Don't follow that path. Because God is, uh, you know, he ponders all. Well, he's thinking about watching. Right. To choose. Right. Bad as it is, bring it to self-domination and change. In fact, in our own Right. 
it, it hurts because, first of all, I, I didn't live by the prince. Secondly, because I feel, as I said earlier, I, I see my son going down the same path I'm going down the same way. And it's a dark path, sad path. Right. The outcome of that path, verse 23, sorry, go ahead. I find also something in, in this passage, too, Jim, is that um, there's a lot of warnings and instruction and, and you know, to his son. But it don't, you know, in this passage, it don't really talk about um, repentance. Right. It's just constantly giving warning that. Yep. You know, um, I, I think probably because he hasn't done it yet, right. possibly. You know, you're right. Hmm? I mean, yeah. But in his own mind, you know, you still can. Right. <laughs> but I just was looking at that passage. I don't see. Yeah. Because that's not that's not the purpose of Proverbs. The purpose of Proverbs simply there to speak about the world that God made. The world that God made has fallen. And it now has doors to the adulterous woman's bed. We avoid that. Yeah, it's not going to address what do you do once you avoid it. Or once you didn't avoid it. But it sort of does. Because there's something that sits in the background going, I'm just following her and being led astray. And as it said before, her way, she does not even contemplate the way of life. She's not even analyzing her life to see if she's on the right path. She's just wandering about, doing whatever her desire wants. Can't be like that. And if you find yourself like that, there's a very simple answer to that. Don't do that. Stay away from it. Trust in the Lord. He said it back in chapter 3. Do not lean on your own understanding. Why? Because you're dumb. Especially in this area. We're all dumb in this area, right? It's a very primal part of our lives. And as he's saying here, why is this guy dying? He's dying because he has no discipline in this area. He cannot even tell his body no. You have no discipline in that area. Foolishness will follow in its wake very, very quickly. And you say, well, not this foolishness or that. You'll create your own new version of foolishness. It'll be a special concoction just for you that keeps you enslaved to it. Because what does it do? Wickedness and iniquities are much stronger than we are. We cannot overcome them. We cannot untie the cords. We cannot unsnare ourselves. Even in the book of Hebrews, you had mentioned it earlier, it's mentioned in there that we are to avoid sins which so easily ensnare us. Even as Christians. What happens if we don't? They can easily ensnare us. What does it say? Even in the book of uh, Timothy, Paul warns Timothy, he says, look, there's some who got ensnared by money, the desire to become wealthy. He said, well, what's wrong with that? Everything. Because that will stem from a love of money rather than a, a gratitude for what God gives me and being content with whatever that is. Those who desire to get wealth, those who desire to, to exceedingly be wealthy are carried away with the deceitfulness of riches. And he says, and Paul says to Timothy, you knew these guys. Several of them have actually left the faith because of this. Because money lies to us. Just like the adulterous woman. Come over here and you will be satisfied. Have fill of our love until morning time comes, he's going to say in a later passage. And what comes morning time? 
Regret, pain, destruction. And if it goes unrepentant, the outcome is death. You say, well, how can you die by committing adultery? Because evil does not stay in the area you keep it. You cannot cage it. It will cage you. And it will take over other areas of life. And it's always going to show up in myriads of other ways. Those who are okay with this usually will be out of control in another area that will threaten their very lives. I, I've seen it dozens and dozens and dozens of times. I see the temptation in my own life. That type of stuff will just erode your soul. And as we had said earlier, he is encouraging him to be satisfied with his wife. And this is one of the things here. If, if we're having, and if we're having a, a rough go of it at home, shall we say, or a rough year, that's usually when the opportunities present themselves. Because that's usually the only time you're paying attention going, is everyone else as miserable as I am? What about her? My life would be a little bit easier with her. And, and at, the, at, the, at the core of it, it is just a center of discontentment about life. I said earlier before you came in, I said several years back, we had a rough year in our marriage. Uh, and that was, I hate those. I hate it when it comes. And the break point for me was realizing that it is not her, but me that's held accountable for the success of this marriage. And the way it was going was not good. In the midst of all of that, you say, well, it doesn't mention repentance. Well, the threat of death will certainly imply it. Right? If, if you're telling somebody who's, you know, happily bouncing along towards a cliff, hey, there is a cliff that leads to death in front of you. The implication is right there. Don't keep happily bouncing towards it. Turn around. And that's all repentance is. Get away from it. Turn around. Go back the way you came. Stay away from her door, stay away from her bed, stay away from her breasts. Go back home. Now, this is one of the things I love about the writer of the book of Proverbs. He is not going to mince his words at all. He is just going to lay it all out in the open. Um, and this is something that we'll see over and over and over again. Um, we're going to see it in all sorts of ways, dealing with other things that we're tempted towards. Laziness and uh, money issues, um, uh, making friends with worthless people that will just drag you down to the pits. Why would we do these things? Um, and all of them are predicated on our view of the Lord. So when we come back next week to chapter 6, we're going to see a lot of that play out. And then he will bring back that ever-famous example of adultery. Constantly, he will be addressing us with the temptation of this because it does reveal the heart. Because it's one of the first places where things crumble. Um, and one of the hardest ones to undo. Is that? Scanning ahead, I noticed that. In chapter 6, it's a warning against adultery. Yep. 7, warning against adultery. Yep. That's got to be the, almost the worst sin. It's not that it's the worst. It's that it, it, it is so common that it portrays the heart, and you cannot deny when it happens. Like, you can deny greed. Oh, you did that because you were greedy. No, I didn't. You committed adultery with that woman. Really hard to deny. And that's why he's using an example, because it's so ubiquitous. And it's so obvious, and it's undeniable. It's right in front of you. Right. Right. I, I wasn't drunk. You can deny that. 
I mean, sleep with her is a little bit harder of a thing to deny. And this, so he'll give this example so that all the excuses kind of melt away. And it's just, it's, it is honestly a filler example because you can input any sin into this. What if there's a gang that's trying to recruit you and they want to go out and establish their territory and they'll do, through, do th- so through bloodshed? Stay away from them. Stay away from them. They're flirting with death, literally. Stay away from them. Well, I'm going to go help them. No, you won't. You'll get wrapped up into it, and you will die. Why Why should you die? Why would you go that way? Why don't you just be happy with the land God's given you? It, 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 it becomes this, this aspect that the New Testament will focus in on and say the primary way that idolatry shows up in our life, the primary way that we can see that we are walking the path of foolishness is that we are no longer grateful to God. That's what Romans 1 is all about. All this idolatry, all of this evil, the wrath of God has been made known, all of these lists of things, they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Uh, What was the thing at the end of all of that? And they did not give thanks to God. Why? Because lack of gratitude is just admitting that I don't think this is actually God's world. And here, if you don't think it is, you will live foolishly. Because here he's telling us, this is how I made the world to work. Say again? Romans chapter 1, yes. Yep, a debased mind. To do what ought not to be done. Correct. Yes, it actually uses the uh, triple reference to God giving them up. Oh, yeah. Brutal, brutal stuff. Because what it's saying there is that uh, even even when I, I think I even just quoted this on my bulletin insert this morning uh, in in Romans chapter two, where um, where where those who are living foolishly and sinfully think that because God isn't dealing with me today, God's kindness, everything's great. And he says, "Don't you know, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance." He's given you time, but you instead are responding with more and more sin, storing up wrath for yourself until the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He says, you really think that God being kind to you today means that you will escape judgment when you have not repented? Repentance is utterly required. Turn from the wicked ways to God. And there are so many people, I was in a church last week, pastored by a false teacher, teaching to a whole bunch of unbelievers. Closest I ever came to punching a guy in a pulpit. I'm not kidding. I even took my heart rate during that sermon. And it was in the hundreds. It was, it was such a brutal thing to hear because it was, God is kind, always will be. No need to repent. Doesn't matter what it is, you can't even call it sin. Yes, sir. Just want to ask you a question because you've been a pastor for a long time. Sure. In this scripture, what you know in the scripture, do you believe that God is removing his hand of protection from not only our nation, but the church? In light of what you just said about false teachers. So from the organized church, it's kind of hard because it's so fractured. Um, Some of them, absolutely, uh, from our nation, yes. There's no way to explain what is going on with the lack of ability to reason in our culture except the judgment of God? Yeah, yeah. And just, it's really, we know where we're going, 
you know what I'm saying? And, but it is this hard because I've talked to other yes. people, right? They don't want to touch servers like this. But oh, no, they ab no, it absolutely is. And I've said it multiple times. It, now, that judgment can end in revival or destruction. I'm not convinced which way it's going to go yet. But it does seem quite keen on the destruction path right now. Um, we shall see. But right now, we are absolutely seeing the, the manifestation of a debased mind. We, I actually gave a sermon in 2015 that we just entered a Romans 1 culture. And, and, and the church will learn how small it is. And that will have a good effect because it's tiny and we think it's big. It's not big. It's tiny. The majority of people sitting in pews, especially go back 10 years ago, were not Christians. I say it still is. You know, based on your experience, mm -hmm. and I'm not even a pastor. This is not meant to be judgmental, but sure. I, I, I'm seeing within people who sat in the church 20, 30, 40 years are biblically illiterate. Correct. And, and again, another sign like the Paul talks about the apostasy. Right. And what, what you just said, you know, doesn't encourage you, it saddens you that you went to a church and the guy's false teacher that the clapping seal. Yep. We got a lot of work cut out for us. Oh, it didn't make me sad. It made me angry. I, I, I've, never, I've never been sitting in a church service and I was angry. That, that pissed me off royally. I mean, I I, and I just... Really mercy. Mm -hmm. you have a big following? Yes. Of course he does. Yeah. Because he's trying to tell everybody. My church was packed, yeah, to, the, packed to the gills. God loves you. So you don't have to work. Correct. Work no, it does not. No, I could hear it, just the, the contempt for the scriptures dripping from his mouth. It was, it was something to behold. And if that is ever broken in the limelight, what's uh, Charles Stanley's son? Andy. Uh, it's but you know what? It's incredible you have this biblical God that warned us this is coming. None of us will be able to say it. Well, and that's kind of the thing, too. It has happened hundreds and hundreds of times throughout church history. We're, this is just... The most recent example of it. So on, on Wednesday evenings I teach church history, we've had it much worse than our current state before. We have. Many times. I promise you, as far down as you think it is right now, it can get so much worse than this. So much worse than this. Yes. And then it resets. And then people repent. Or not. And collapses come, or whatever the heck comes, that's okay. As Christians, we keep our nose to our responsibility, come what may. That's my answer to that. All right, let's pray, and then we'll go to service. Our Father, we're grateful for this day. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for its uh, perspicuity. We thank you that it's able to be understood. We thank you, Father, for its sufficiency, that it is enough for us what you have given to us, because we know from your word, Father, that what you have said to us, those revealed things, are given to us and to our children, and we are, we are tasked to hand it down, but the secret things belong to you. And Father, as we sit here, not knowing the future, we pray that you make us content with the perspective you have given us and the passages of scripture that you have brought to our hearts and our minds to bear. Father, as we join together, make us content with those that you have provided for us to fellowship with this morning, we pray in your Son's name. Amen.